G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Let's take a bit of time to talk about what is happening in the nation of our near neighbours to the north in Indonesia. As you know, there's been all sorts of political upheavals ever since the governor in Jakarta, who was known as Ahok, was jailed as a result of a blasphemy law. And, of course, he was a Christian. That was the trigger for a lot of uprising in the nation of Indonesia. Let's get some insights into what's happening in Indonesia today with new legislation that's been passed and with the attempts of the government to make sure that everyone adheres to the secular nature of the nation. Dr. Peter Riddell is back with us, an expert on Islam, specialising in the Southeast Asian context. He's presently vice-principal with the Melbourne School of Theology and widely published on Christian-Muslim relations. Peter, welcome back to 2020. Thank you, Neil. It's good to be back. Peter, we followed along quite closely in the lead-up to the time when Ahok was jailed because of those blasphemy charges in Indonesia. Since he has been jailed, did that in fact settle down some of the violence that was erupting in Indonesia? Well, look, it's been a bit of a roller coaster ride, uh, honestly, Neil. Since uh, since that period, we we when we cast our mind mind back, we we recall that um, the governor, uh, the elections for governor, and the campaign leading up to the elections for governor that, that took place twelve months ago, uh, back, uh, leading into the new year this year, uh, involved demonstrations of up to two hundred thousand um, Muslim radical groups, organised by Muslim radical groups, demonstrating against the incumbent governor, claiming that he committed blasphemy by referring to one Quranic verse in one speech in one location. Now, the, in the event, the campaign by these uh, Islamic radical groups against the governor ended up bearing fruit for them because he lost the election. He was not uh, elected to the position. Uh, Anis Baswedan uh, was, was elected to replace him and took over as, as governor. And um, so no sooner had the elections been completed than uh, Governor Ahok had to face trial uh, on accusations of blasphemy. He was found guilty. The um, prosecution recommended leniency, but in the event the, ju- the judges did, didn't accept that recommendation and he was jailed for two years and he's in, he's in jail now. Uh, in Chipinang, in Jakarta. So, in a sense, the the Islamic radical groups, which which were successful in opposing him, had their tails up as a result. So they've really been um, uh, setting their sights on the national elections that are set for nine, uh, 2019. And the Indonesian government has has um, the, led by President Widodo, realised that uh, they have a significant challenge on their hands. So really there's been quite a lot of tension, quite a lot of movement on the political stage in Indonesia over the last nine months. And Joko Widodo, the President, has he been heavy-handed in the way that he has dealt with 
the uprising of that Muslim community uh, trying to assert uh, their stamp on Indonesia as a nation uh, because we know that Indonesia is a secular nation and uh, they have some philosophies that they're trying to maintain. Uh, Was Joko Widodo effective in stamping out some of that violence? How did he do that? Was it more a diplomatic way that he's he's done that or uh, what sort of approach has he had? Yes, I think I think President Widodo has been very effective in his response. Um, in a sense, the elections for governor of Jakarta they were a, a trial run for the national elections that are scheduled for 2019, when President Widodo himself will will be standing for re-election as president of the, of the nation. Now, as the Islamic radical groups were so successful in organising mass protests against the Jakarta governor there's every every likelihood that they will do the same thing in 2019 in opposing President Widodo's re-election. And so what we are now seeing is that the government of the administration of President Widodo, they realise that the challenge that's coming from Islamic radical groups and their, how they, they use really a strong arm and, and bullying tactics to get their way. The Indonesian government has just last week passed legislation which is uh, threatening to ban any organisation which does not accept the national philosophy, which is a, a pluralist philosophy. Uh, the national philosophy is based on belief in, they express it in terms of belief in six official religions, not just one. And this is anathema to Islamic radical groups. So if Islamic radical groups don't accept that national philosophy, they risk being banned on the basis of this latest legislation. That's been the response of President Widodo, and I think it's been quite effective. When you say Widodo has his own political skin at risk here, uh, 2019 elections, there was this connection, wasn't there? Because Joko Widodo, the president, was once the governor of Jakarta and it was Ahok, who's now behind bars, uh, who as the Christian governor was uh, convicted of the issue of blasphemy. Does this connection between Joko Widodo and Ahok uh, colour Joko Widodo in a certain way in the eyes of those Islamic uh, more fundamentalists? Well, very, very much so, Neil. Um, as you say, uh, Joko Widodo was the, himself the governor of Jakarta. His deputy was Ahok. When Widodo went to be... He left the position to become president of the nation. Then his deputy, Ahok, replaced him as governor of Jakarta. They are, they were allies and they they remain allies. So um, the Islamist groups who opposed Ahok are equally opposed to uh, Widodo as president. And the reason is that both men, be it as president or as governor of Jakarta, are opposed to the fundamental goal of Islamist of the radical groups. That is, their goal is the creation of an Islamic state with Islamic Sharia law as the structure of state. President Widodo is opposed to that. Governor Ahok was opposed to that. So these groups are determined to bring both men down and they will use the same tactics to do so. Having worked, having been successful in the governor elections, they will use the same tactics in the national elections in two years' time. So I think this move by the Indonesian government last week to um, to put in place legislation which could ban such groups could be very effective and its purpose is quite clear. So this new legislation clearly will give authorities an ability to stamp out the sorts of demonstrations that were held uh, against 
the uh, the former governor Ahok. Uh, it's going to give real teeth to those law enforcement agencies, isn't it? And that won't please the Islamic people. No, no, that's right. Uh, it certainly will give teeth um, to the law enforcement agencies and it will not be pleasing to groups such as Hizbut Tahrir Indonesia is one of the big groups. Uh, Hizbut Tahrir Indonesia, it's a, um, it's a Sharia-based radical fundamentalist group that, whose goal is to create Islamic states. They're active in Australia too, interestingly. So the Indonesian government has put in place legislation to ban them um, it will be interesting to see if they move to do so in the short term. Um, and it will also be interesting to see how that group responds to this new legislation. I think, I think we've got some interesting times ahead in Indonesia. And, of course, the fact that Indonesia has initiated legislation to ban such radical groups poses interesting questions for other countries where those groups are also active, such as Australia. And this idea of assertive Islam and rising up in not only Indonesia but other nations like Malaysia uh, and uh, we were talking recently about the Philippines, uh, these sorts of assertive and uh, quite militant Islamic uprisings, uh, they're becoming more and more uh, usual in our, in our neck of the woods. Well, they, they certainly are. It's part of a, it's part of a world movement, actually. Um, Islamic resurgence... And by that, I mean a resurgence of a very fundamentalist, text-based understanding of Islam. It's been a, a powerful force across the world since the, since the 1970s, actually. And so we've had, it, we've had it as a phenomenon for 40 years, and it is visible very powerfully in countries where Muslims are in the majority, and we're seeing lots of uh, internal strife in such countries, but also... Muslim minorities in countries like Australia and the West, um, there's an Islamic resurgence there. It's an, a resurgence of, of a fundamentalist Islamic identity. And some Muslims, not all by any means, but some Muslims are attracted to it and become quite assertive in the process. And how does that affect us here in Australia, Peter? Because is it an inspiration when there's this flexing of muscles uh, to our north uh, for those who are fundamentalist and looking to stir things up in Australia, is that like an inspiration for them? Well, it is. And, and for such Muslims um, who really do take this, this fundamentalist, literalist approach to their faith, in a sense, location is irrelevant. They see themselves first and foremost as, as Muslims. And so they don't see themselves first and foremost as Australians or Indonesians or Malaysians, but they see themselves as Muslims. And therefore, when fellow Muslims are involved in struggles in one in a different country, then they feel they identify with that and they want to support it. That's why, you know, hundreds of young Australian fundamentalist Muslims went and joined ISIS in, in the Middle East. Um, it's this sense of international um, camaraderie and, uh, and, and, and unity, international identity, a, a sort of worldwide community that, that drives them. Well, so good getting your insights into what is going on in Indonesia, our near neighbour to the north. Dr Peter Riddell, an expert on Islam and specialises in the Southeast Asian context, previously taught at the Australian National University, also in Indonesia, and at the London School of Oriental and African Studies, and was appointed as Professor of Islamic Studies at the London School of Theology. These days he's Vice Principal Academic at the Melbourne School of Theology. And Peter, thanks so much for taking some time to update us on what's happening in our 
near neighbour Indonesia. Thanks for being with us on 2020. Thank you, Neil. It's been a pleasure. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.